Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 146 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is Freestyle, an interview with Sky Cowie. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Zepatello. So Matt, we named this episode Freestyle because it captures the essence of the beauty of this young woman's story. She's a first-generation Scottish-American. She was a great and avid soccer player during her youth. But after she had gotten sick, she had to pivot away from traditional soccer, where she had to make commitments to going to practices and games on a scheduled basis, to becoming a freestyle soccer player, which then took her to places like meeting the First Lady, Michelle Obama, and participating in all kinds of platforms for Samsung, Puma, Wilson, and many other athletic companies. Rich, Sky was bit by a tick when she was only 12 years old. Shortly after that, she started to get sicker and sicker and sicker. And by the time she was 15, her and her mom, after researching on Google, connected the tick bite to Lyme disease. It took another three years for Sky to finally get tested for Lyme disease through Igenix in California and get a positive test. She was also diagnosed with celiac disease and leaky gut. She was able to reach a remission-free state after one year of treatment. And it took her another six months to get her emotional health to her pre-illness condition. So Matt, without further ado, I'm really excited to introduce the freestyler, Sky Cowie. So hey, Sky Cowie, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, guys. How are you? Uh, we're blessed to have you, Sky. And uh, we've been trying to get you on the podcast for a long time. We had uh, one uh, attempt to get you on, and we finally have gotten you onto the podcast. So thank you for joining us. I know. I'm finally here, and I'm really excited about it. So Sky, where do you live? I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. And how long have you been a resident of Raleigh, North Carolina? Born and raised here. Sky, what do you currently do with your life? Um, I am a college student that also has an internship at a software company. And where are you going to school? Uh, North Carolina State University. And uh, what are you majoring in over at North Carolina State? Fashion, textile management, brand management, and marketing. I'm in the textile school. Sky, talk to us about your background. You said you were born and raised in uh, North Carolina. What was your life like uh, as a child in North Carolina? My life as a child here, I was, you know, a really outgoing kid. I was involved in every sports team, every club activity. Um, I did theater. I played soccer. I did swimming. I was in jump rope club, chess club. I did just about everything. So, Sky, talk to us about um, what you knew about ticks and tick diseases during your childhood in North Carolina? Um, well, my parents were actually born and raised in Scotland, um, and they moved over here because of my dad's job. So growing up in North Carolina, they weren't used to um, the East Coast being a huge hot spot for ticks. So I didn't know anything about ticks prior to my tick bite, and my parents really didn't know anything about it either. Well, what, what about your educational experience? Did you ever learn about ticks or tick diseases in your health class or any of the science classes that you had taken at school? No, never. Mm -mm. You said you were also an athlete, right? You were involved in all kinds of sports activities and all kinds of outdoor activities there in North Carolina. Did any of your coaches or any of the uh, team activities you participate include training on ticks and tick diseases? No, mm -mm. no coaches, no Mm -mm, nothing. Nobody ever said anything about ticks. So, Nuska, I understand that you were bitten by a tick at some point early on in your life. Yes, I was um, bit by a tick when I was 12 years old. My um, family friends had a lake house at Lake Gaston, which is on the border of Virginia and North Carolina. 
And um, that's where I was bit. I was bit on my hand and I saw the tick on me and went to the doctor after and they said, you didn't get a bullseye rash. You don't need any medicine. You're fine. So Sky, let's walk back to this experience about the tick bite that you got in your hand when you were 12 years old. Um, how did you notice that it was a tick biting you? Did you locate it or did some family member, how'd you locate the tick? Oh, I noticed it on my hand. I was just watching TV. I guess I'd been outside before whatnot, but um, I noticed that there was a tick on my hand. And what'd you do when you saw the tick on your hand? Well, as a 12 year old kid, I freaked out just solely because it was an insect. Um, called my parents into the room and um, just was like, what is this? I, I didn't really even know what it was. I was like, is this a spider? What is this? And so what did your parents do after you called them in and showed them that you had a tick biting you on your hand? Um, they just took it off. I mean, that, they used tweezers and we just like plucked it out of my skin. So what caused you to go to the doctor? Why do you think your parents took you to the doctor after you suffered that tick bite? I think my parents looked it up because they weren't really sure. And I think from what they read online, it was go to the doctor. If you have a bullseye rash and my mom being a mom was just like, all right, I'm going to take her anyway and see what the doctor has to say instead of just blindly trusting Google. So how long after the tick was removed from your hand, did your parents take you to the doctor? Oh, as soon as we got back to North Carolina, I'd say within a couple of days. So what was the experience like when you went to the doctor? Do you remember the experience? I don't remember the first initial doctor's appointment, but my mom always described it to me as, you know, she was saying my daughter was bit by a tick and the doctor just saying, well, you're fine. There's no bullseye rash. So you're good. You can go on about your life. So when did your symptoms begin to develop? Um, shortly after I would it started off with really bad knee and back pain and then headaches, just constant headaches all the time. Now, were your parents bringing you back to either the same doctor or other doctors as your knee, back and headache pain was developing? Um, I don't really think we put the two together, but it got to the point where I couldn't play soccer anymore because I just would cry after games and after soccer practice because I'd be in so much pain. And my parents realized that this is not the kid that we know. So they, they started taking me to various doctors. So let's walk back for a minute what your life was like at that moment. You said you specifically said that you were a soccer player. Talk to us about what type of a soccer player you were, what type of work you were doing in uh, the soccer arena. Um, I would say that I was a pretty skilled soccer player and that is what my main focus on was on. I did tons of sports, but my love was for soccer. I love playing soccer and I felt that I was really good at it. And did you have any visions of playing soccer in college or professionally or in some other uh, capacity at that time? Oh yeah. I'll find old diaries from when I was six and seven years old saying, I'm going to be a famous soccer player. When I grow up, I want to play for UNC women's soccer team in college. So you have made it to UNC. Are you currently playing on the soccer team? Um, I actually go to NC State. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, you're fine. I started, I stopped playing soccer around middle school and I started freestyling instead. And what's freestyling? 
Um, freestyling, it's like the Harlem Globetrotters with the basketball, but it's with your feet. So you do tricks with a soccer ball. And that was easier for me to do because I could do it on my own time when I wasn't in pain, those small periods of time where I wasn't in pain, instead of having to go to a scheduled soccer practice or not be able to go because I was in pain and let my team down. So now let's talk about how this pain was developing and how it was limiting your ability to honor your commitment to your team, which ultimately resulted in you pivoting to freestyle. Um, how, how were the symptoms developing and how were, how were the symptoms preventing you from honoring your commitment to the team? I don't think that I really ever let anybody know that I was in pain that was on my soccer team. I don't think people understood what was going on. I mean, we were 12, 13 years old. Um, and I don't really think I even understood what was going on. I just knew that I didn't feel good and I had headaches, back pain, and knee pain that was just, I wasn't performing well and it wasn't enjoyable anymore. And I couldn't go to practices the same. I wasn't showing up, you know, with 100% attendance like I always had in the past. So, Scott, you suffered your tick bite at the age of 12. When did you? pivot over from team soccer to freestyle? Um, I was always juggling at soccer practice. So I think I'd always been doing that, but um, started to transition just around the exact same time my sister was doing it. So I just copied her because, you know, older sister, I copy everything that she does. Um, and it just turned from something that it was kind of lucky. I think that I found freestyle when I did because it made the transition from not being able to play soccer much easier. But why couldn't you play soccer anymore? I mean, give us some more specific detail about how your knee pain, your back pain, and your migraines were preventing you from playing soccer in the traditional sense. Um, well, scheduled games, you know, I don't ever really know when I'm going to feel good or not feel good. Some days I'll wake up and I'll be like, okay, I actually feel okay today and I can go freestyle. But with soccer, you have scheduled games and scheduled practices. And if my knee and back or my head were hurting during that, I couldn't play. So it was something that this pain that I had was so debilitating that I couldn't play soccer anymore. Just wasn't an option for me because this pain that I had was so bad. Now, Scott, you said your parents began to take you to see other doctors uh, because of your knee pain, your back pain, and your head pain. Uh, what other doctors did you begin to treat with other than the doctor you saw initially after you suffered your tick bite? Um, it started with uh, neurologists, rheumatoid specialists, my optometrist to make sure that my vision was right and that wasn't causing my headaches, um, endocrinologists, just every doctor under the sun out. We went to 14 different kinds of doctors. Now at any time during the course of your visit with 14 different doctors, was there ever a connection made between you or your parents between your symptoms and the tick bite that you suffered at 12? Yeah, it took some time, but my mom made the connection and she started telling doctors, look, my daughter was bit in what if it is Lyme disease? because we never got antibiotics for it. And doctors just kept saying, no, that's not it. We don't think that's it. My mom would say, can you test her? Yeah, but we really don't need a tester. So, now so time and time again, we were told that we, I was fine and we didn't need to test on disease. 
So, Sky, why do you believe your doctors were not testing you for Lyme disease, despite your mom repeatedly asking them to consider that as a possible as as a possible diagnosis? That is a question I ask myself all the time. I have no idea. I wish I knew. I think doctors just really don't recognize Lyme disease so much. Most doctors. And I think it's a very misunderstood disease that a lot of misinformation circulates around. So now let, let's talk about the first doctor you went to see again. Uh, after your tick bite, you said your parents took you to see, I'm assuming either your pediatrician or your primary care physician. Which was it? My primary care physician. And did you ever go back to that primary care physician after your symptoms began to develop? No, I did not. Now, who was the first doctor you went to see after your primary care physician? Um, a rheumatoid specialist about my knee and back pain. And at any point during the time that you were treating with the rheumatoid doctor, did your mom ever raise the specter of Lyme disease? Um, I'm not sure if she did with that, that particular doctor, but I'm positive that just after is when she was, she was adamant that my child has Lyme disease and no one's taking it seriously. So now what was the experience like for you as a young child going to all of these doctors and not getting any answers to the problems that you were facing? It was frustrating because you know yourself and you know your body, but you're going to doctors and they're saying, you're just a depressed teenager. And I'm saying to them, no, I'm not a depressed teenager. I'm sick and nobody will take me seriously, which makes me depressed. I'm not depressed and that makes me sick, you know? So for me, it was just frustrating and none of my peers had to do anything like this. And they were all so healthy and active and didn't even think about their health. Well, how did your peers treat you? Were there any of your peers who weren't particularly kind to you when you stopped playing soccer, for example? Uh, none of my teammates, definitely not. But when I was diagnosed in high school, kids definitely thought that I don't know if that's their coping mechanism to make jokes. You know, they're my friends, so they're not really making fun of me, but they're making jokes and not realizing how damaging it is to hear some of the things that they're saying. Well, what kinds of things were they saying and how did that impact you? Oh, I had a friend that I had known for ages and he joked to me. He's like, how does it feel that you're dying from Lyme disease? I'm like, you don't even know what you're talking about. I'm not dying. I'm okay. Like, <laughs> relax. But just things like that. And when you're an 18-year-old kid that just got diagnosed with a disease that's very misunderstood, it starts to mess with your head and you're thinking, well, is he right? Or, oh my God, like you have a, a disease from an insect. Like, that's so funny. Like, who, who gets that? Like, kind of thing. People just pick it, make jokes that they, they don't even realize are extremely damaging. And when you say they were damaging, how were you damaged by these rude comments that you were hearing, for example, from that young man that you just described? You just, when you're in high school and you're a teenager, you're 18, you do everything you can to just blend in, fit in, and, you know, not make, draw, not draw negative attention to yourself. So it just makes you kind of more go in your shell and keep to yourself and think, okay, these people don't understand and just it plays mind games with you. Like, am, am I normal? Is this normal? Like, 
do people still want to be friends with me? What are people going to think that I have this disease that comes from a tick? Like, are people going to think I'm gross, this and that, you know? Do you believe that the isolation that came along with some of your peers making fun of you had a negative impact on your ability to heal? Oh, definitely. I think I'm really big on if your mind and your, you're in a good headspace that your body tends to fall in line too, to a certain extent, obviously. But I think that when your mind is in turmoil, your body can't heal no matter what route you're going down, what medicine you're taking, what um, things you're doing to trying to heal yourself. How did you learn to set boundaries for your peers so that they wouldn't negatively impact your healing journey? Oh, I immediately cut people off that would make comments like that. I don't, people that have made comments in a negative light and continually made those comments were immediately cut out from my life. Now you indicated that there were a number of different doctors that diagnosed you with a psychological or psychiatric illness rather than a physical illness. How did that make you feel? It made me feel just again, frustrated because I knew myself and I knew that I had always been a happy kid, happy, like up until this tick bite and that I wasn't crazy. I wasn't depressed. It wasn't anything mentally. I knew it was physical. And um, even my mom was like, I know my kid isn't depressed. I know that she's sick. She's in pain. Like this isn't in her head. So that reassurance from my mom of I know my kid and my reassurance of I know myself didn't really matter what the doctor said, although I wanted them to help me. It didn't um, discourage me too much. It was more just frustrating. Do you believe that the doctors who were diagnosing you with mental health issues were having a negative impact on your ability to heal? Yeah, definitely. Because they just wanted the simple fix of this is what it is. And I don't want to, you know, go out and on a limb and try and test you with this and that. It's just much easier to diagnose you with chronic fatigue. And you're just a teenager who sleeps a lot and is tired. But Sky, really, the question I'm asking you is, in addition to the doctors just failing you to properly diagnose you and treat you, do you believe that because they were diagnosing you with a mental health issue, that it was having a negative impact on you, meaning making it worse in the same way that your um, peers being critical of you made your um, Lyme disease symptoms worse? Um, I don't believe so, just because I'm such like a strong knit with my family. And I think if I didn't have them and I didn't have such great parents that maybe it would have more, but I don't believe it negatively impacted me too much. So let's talk about your family for a minute. Were there any members of your family, either close, close members of your family or maybe extended members of your family who doubted whether you were really sick? I don't believe so. I, I know for a fact that my parents 100% believe me and that's all I cared about. Were there any people you think just got sick of you being sick, meaning, you know, the, your illness just sort of wore them down and they no longer had the ability to support you the way you would have liked to have been supported? Yeah, definitely. I was um, dating a guy when I was diagnosed and I don't really blame him. I don't think he's a bad person. 
I just think he was an 18 year old boy that was trying to live his life and dating a girl who couldn't go out and was just, you know, going to school, coming home, sleeping until the next morning, going to school, repeating it. I just think that the time I was diagnosed was hard because a lot of my peers, when you're 18, you're pretty, you know, selfish and most teenagers just think about themselves. So I think it was just hard and it wore him down and it got to the point where I was like, okay, I need more support than this. I deserve more support than this. And I don't need to, you know, feel like I'm wearing someone down. I need to focus on myself. So how long was the window again between when you were first bitten by the tick and when you finally received your Lyme disease diagnosis? Six years. I was bit when I was 12 and I was diagnosed just after my 18th birthday. So Sky, when did you know for sure in your head that the tick bite was the reason you were sick? Uh, I knew for sure when I was 15. But you weren't diagnosed for another three years after knowing in your own head that the tick bite was the reason you were sick. Yep. Because doctors. You... I'm sorry, no, Scott. Ahead, sorry. How did you how did you know that the tick bite was the reason you were sick at 15? I think it's just because I was constantly Googling my symptoms, which I don't advise for people to do because, you know, you Google, I have a headache and Google will tell you, all right, you're going to die in two minutes. But I was constantly trying to look up things on my own because doctors weren't taking me seriously. I took things into my own hand and my mom and I would sit and just Google my symptoms and what could it be. And it always came back to Lyme disease. So why do you discourage people from using Dr. Google as a tool to help them get their diagnosis? I think there's a lot of misinformation in general about health. And when you Google one thing, it like just opens this huge can of worms, but especially with Lyme disease, there's so much misinformation out there and so many contradicting, not facts, but contradicting theories out there that it's just, you can go round and round and round and just, it's a never ending cycle. What's right. What's not right. What do I believe? What do I not believe? But Sky, you were, you were actually properly diagnosed through the research you had done on Google a full three years before a trained medical doctor diagnosed you. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy to think about. So Let's talk about what your experience was like for the three years between when you finally made the decision that you knew you were sick from your tick bite at 15, but f not getting diagnosed until you were 18. I'm assuming all the doctors you went to see between the ages of 15 and 18, you brought up your belief that you were suffering from Lyme disease. Yeah. And those three years was just me not going to school that much because I was either at home sick or I was at doctor's appointments every week, whether it was seeing a neurologist for three or four months and then saying, all right, this isn't working, trying a new doctor and just trying to forge ahead and just say, all right, I need to find a doctor who will properly diagnose me, who won't just throw a bunch of pills at me and say, try this and come back to me. So, Scott, how did you eventually get your Lyme diagnosis? Did you have to force a doctor to run a Lyme disease test for you? Yeah, I ended up going to a functional um, medicine doctor in Raleigh who was actually very willing and wanted to test me for Lyme. 
and she did a different test. It wasn't through LabCorp. It was some test out in California, some lab out in California. But of course, insurance companies didn't cover, but it was a much better test than LabCorp because they tested for all strains of Lyme disease. Was it Igenix Labs in California? Yes, that's what it is. And prior to this, were you ever given a Lyme test before seeing this functional medicine doctor and the Igenix test? I was given one um, LabCorp Lyme test that came back negative. And did these, the doctor who prescribed that test inform you that these regular LabCorp tests are horribly inaccurate and just because you have a negative doesn't mean you necessarily don't have Lyme disease? Uh, the doctor didn't tell me that, but I knew from research on my own that the negative didn't really mean much. And what brought you to this functional medicine doctor? Was it just a frustration of the traditional doctor and not listening to you and not testing you and dismissing you and telling you it's all in your head that forced you to go to the holistic route? Um, partially that, but I, my mom's always been into that more holistic medicine, healing yourself with food and um, herbs and that kind of thing. So it was partly that and partly my mom's influence too. And you mentioned in the beginning, you had really bad knee and back pain as well as headaches, but over this, this six year journey that led up to your diagnosis, did you develop any additional symptoms? Yeah, the symptoms of my knee and back pain, um, kind of fizzled out after I'd say two years. And it was more just headaches all day for like five hours every single day. And then more fatigue started to settle in. And then it was body aches and chills and numb feet and hands. And it just, my symptoms always seem to be changing and ever progressing, I guess. Um, but it was, I don't know, it was kind of, I go back to some symptoms too. Some symptoms go away and then come back. And some symptoms I've had once and I've never had again. And that's not uncommon with Lyme disease to have these migrating symptoms that go from different parts of the bodies and different parts of your body and different symptoms of your body. So now that you found this functional medicine doctor and you finally had a positive hygienix test, what was the experience like with this, with this functional doctor? What was her plan once you had this diagnosis? Well, my diagnosis was a little bit different from other people's, I think, when they're first diagnosed with Lyme, because although she felt like I had Lyme and did that Igenix test, she also said, I think something's going on with your gut. So I was also, the same day I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, I was also diagnosed with celiac disease, which means my body can't process gluten. It's an autoimmune disease. And I was also diagnosed with leaky gut. So I kind of had no choice at that point other than to take the holistic approach. But Sky, leaky gut and celiac disease are very, very common in people with late stage Lyme disease. So does your doctor believe that those two symptoms were a consequence of your late stage Lyme disease? Or did, did your doctor think that those were separate conditions not related to Lyme? She believes that me contracting Lyme disease brought on celiac disease at such a young age. Yeah, she believed the two were definitely linked. And then because of the undiagnosed celiac disease, that gave me the leaky gut because I was eating gluten all the time when my body couldn't process it. And as a holistic doctor, I'm assuming your, your doctor at the time, she then worked with you in a whole body approach to not only go after the Lyme disease, but to rebuild your body as a whole as well. Is that, is that what 
your next steps were with this doctor? Yeah, she basically, her advice was you could do antibiotics, but it might just make you sicker because you're, you don't have any good bacteria in your gut anyways right now. So she said the best thing was to do was to heal my gut while, you know, eating good foods and, you know, taking my vitamins and getting my um, immune system back on track and then, and then tackle Lyme. So walk us through what that was like. So you're focusing on your gut health and you're focusing on your immune system before going after the Lyme disease. What did that mean as far as your lifestyle and the changes in your life from that point forward? So the day I got diagnosed with celiac disease, I haven't had gluten since. So that next morning I woke up and I was ready. My mom was like, do you want to just finish out the month of December and enjoy Christmas and eat what you want? And then we'll start in January. And I said, no, I want to start today. I want to eat gluten-free and I want to do this. She put me on the Whole30 diet so that it was very simple foods. I could have nuts, eggs, meat, uh, vegetables, fruit, and... I think that's it. Um, So for five months, that's all I ate. And it was so hard. It was such a huge life change from being able to go out with my friends and eat fast food and not worry about my weight as most 18 year olds don't and just enjoy life and not have to think about food. Um, So it was very different. And I wasn't, I couldn't even go out because I didn't want to be around that food because it was so hard. And I, don't think I even realized how hard it was until I looked back on it. And I just think, how did I do that for five months? But when I was so sick and I finally got that diagnosis and I was so happy that it was finally after all these years, it's not what I wanted to hear, but I was so happy to at least hear something and I was ready to just heal and um, go down that path of, all right, I have this diagnosis. I can finally do something about it and I can take control of my health. So Sky, as a tip for people listening that may have a similar experience as you, many of us are allergic to gluten or have a gluten intolerance, and many of us have leaky gut. So when you decided day one after hearing this that you were going to make a significant change in your diet and stick with it, did you start to feel better pretty quickly at that point? Um, the first two weeks, my body was almost detoxing. I was put on this um, prescribed medicine for like two weeks just to help with um, the inflammation in my gut and just kind of get rid of bacteria and then everything else was herbs after that. So for those two weeks, I felt like I was detoxing and I was at my worst. But then after those two weeks, I think it was day 15. Exactly. I woke up and I said to my mom, I feel like a new person. And from there, it just kind of, everything got a little bit better. And I just slowly felt like I was getting my life back. Sky, when you say you were detoxing for the first 15 days, you weren't really killing the Lyme yet. So do you think that you were detoxing toxins that were just built up in your body via, you know, such as parasites, and maybe your immune system was getting stronger and attacking the Lyme on its own because you were changing your diet? Do you think it was a combination of all of those things, parasites, uh, bacteria, and other opportunistic viruses that your body was finally able to respond to and purging those things from your system? Is that what you mean when you say you were able to detox in the first 15 days? Yeah, it definitely wasn't detoxing from Lyme. It was, yeah, detoxing from all those toxins that you just said. Yeah, definitely. Because I hadn't started the Lyme treatment yet. That Those first 15 days were just um, for my leaky gut. And Sky, do you remember what that prescription medication was to help with your leaky gut and your inflammation in your gut? 
I can't remember off the top of my head. There's been so many medicines throughout my time that I, it's hard to remember them all. So now you finished the 15 day period and you said you felt like a new person. So were you symptom free on day 15 or were you just feeling better as far as your headaches were better and your body pain was better? Like where exactly were you with your health and your symptoms? Um, I still had every symptom, but every symptom was more minimized. Like I would wake up in the morning and I wouldn't immediately feel this cloud above my head and this instant fatigue. It would maybe take, five hours before it came on and it wouldn't, when it did come on, I did feel this fatigue and I did get the headache. It wasn't as severe. And let's talk more about your quality of life at this time, day 15. What things were you able to do socially, um, personally that you couldn't have done before starting that protocol of the 15 day diet change and focusing on your gut health and your immune system? Uh, Because there wasn't a lot that I could eat. I was pretty weak and um, my doctor told me, you know, take it easy. Don't do any strenuous activity because you're not eating a lot. You're not getting like the normal amount of calories that someone your age should just because you can't eat, you know, bread and things that have are high calorie. So I was having to eat like two avocados a day to keep my fat intake up and stuff like that. So I felt pretty weak when I would exercise, but if I was just relaxed and went about my day normally and did schoolwork and this and that, I felt pretty good. And I didn't think it impacted me too much. I felt actually like I had more energy to do basic things. So now let's focus on beyond the first 15 days when you pivoted to the herbals to start attacking the Lyme bacteria itself. Do you recall what treatment specifically, what combination of herbs or what herb you were given to start treating the Lyme disease? Yeah, I did um, vitamin C, probiotics. Um, I did this powder that um, I had to take for my gut. I did cholera. Um, there was a whole list of things. There's pro- there was about 15 different vitamins that I was taking every single day, multiple times a day. When you say vitamins, you mean like vitamins, supplements, herbs, a combination of all these things to help your body get stronger to fight off the bacteria, I think is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And did you have a Herx reaction when you started all of these supplements and herbs? Was there, was there an effect where you started to feel worse a little bit because it was killing off all the bacteria now again? Yeah, well, I started them day one after my diagnosis. So I think that was part of the... Um, detox that I was saying where it was all like the bacteria and everything purging my body. I think that was also part of it was that hurt from um, the vitamins, herbs and supplements that I was taking alongside that prescription medicine. And did you ever do any sort of IV infusions or any sort of IV vitamins or anything like that to help really, you know, jumpstart your Um, immune system in your body? Yeah, I did IV treatments of um, high doses of vitamin C for a little bit. And talk to us what that's like, because a lot of people are constantly asking us about IV infusions and IV antibiotics. So since you did these IV infusions, do you think they were worthwhile? Would you recommend IV infusions to people that are suffering from Lyme and looking to help strengthen their body to combat this horrible disease? I actually don't. I think if um, you do have leaky gut and you're you know, you're not absorbing vitamins in a pill form or herbs or this or that, 
then maybe the IV would be best for you. But since I healed my body, I believe that just taking the pill form is enough and that my body was, um, you know, responding well to it because I had healed my gut. And of course, a lot of these treatments you're referring to were not covered by your insurance. So it sounds like almost everything you did probably was out of pocket. Oh, yeah. Def- yep. Nothing is covered by insurance, basically, with Lyme. And this is a hard question to answer, but if you had to put a dollar amount from the time you got diagnosed to the present date, could you guesstimate how much you spent on out-of-pocket Lyme treatment from doctor's visits to supplements to herbs to you name it, you know, how much you've spent on this disease? Uh. I'd say easily 10 to 15 grand. Now, once you, once you had this, the second phase where you started to introduce more after the first 15 days, it sounds like you made some gains again. So let's talk about, you know, a month or so in, or maybe two months in after introducing more supplements and herbs after the first 15 days of, of strengthening your immune system and your gut, how did your health continue to improve after that? My physical health improved a lot, but I think um, mentally I kind of felt very isolated because I was 18 with these two diseases and I couldn't eat properly and I couldn't go and hang out socially. So physically I was feeling much better and I think getting better every day, but mentally I kind of wasn't there yet. Like I um, still needed some more time to process it. And I think it took me about a year to a year and a half to really be like, all right, I can do this. I've accepted this. I'm no longer asking that why me question. And I'm, I'm running with it. I'm fully accepting it. And I'm saying, this is the cards I've been dealt with and I'm okay with it. And life is still great. So before we get into the mindset component, you said that physically you're doing much better. So how long did it take you to physically feel better? Were you ever symptom free from your physical symptoms or just you reached a point where it was manageable? Um, after I'd say a year of treatment of herbs and vitamins and supplements, I was almost symptom free. Other than my headaches, I felt pretty good all the time. So now you're a year into treatment, your physical symptoms are almost gone. And now you're struggling with the, with the, I'll call emotional impacts of this disease. And that now your, your quality of life is you have to eat a very limited diet. You have to get better sleep and you're doing certain things to keep yourself in a physical symptom free state. So at what point were you able to really accept that and, and get past that emotional hurdle of, of all that comes with Lyme disease? Um, that year and a half mark of, um, treatment, I think, I don't know really what switched in my head. I think maybe it was the fact that I was seeing improvements and I was finally like, okay, I can see life aside from Lyme disease and aside from me being sick. And I think that maybe gave me that mental boost that I needed to be like, okay, everything's okay. You're okay. You can live your life and you don't no longer have to dwell on this. It doesn't have to be the biggest component of your life anymore. It can just be this small thing that helps make you you, but doesn't define your whole identity. But Scott, you mentioned that about a year after starting treatment, you were almost, if not completely symptom free. And then it took you about a year and a half to sort of accept this, you know, mentally that you're, you're getting better and have this positive mindset. So 
it seemed like it was about a six month struggle from the time you started to feel better or be symptom free to the point where you were able to accept that you have Lyme and your life is a little bit different now. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I think it took me that extra six months too, because at that point, everyone my age was transitioning to college and I'd been accepted into my dream school. NC State's always where I wanted to go, but I couldn't live in the dorms and I was it was just a transitional period for me where I kind of felt like poor me. I can't go and have this normal college experience. But then a couple months, you know, I'm visiting some friends that are living on campus and are partying every weekend. And I realized, wait, I don't want this anyway. I love living at home. I love doing my online school from home. And this actually works out really well for me. And it fits with my lifestyle. And I just realized that, just because I'm not doing what everyone else is doing doesn't mean that I have to be sad about it, that I'm doing something different because that's what's best for me. So it sounds like your, your healing journey was twofold. It was physical and emotional. And the physical one had some ups and downs where you started to have some Herx reactions and feel worse before you got better. But ultimately, over the course of a year, you got yourself into a symptom-free state. But emotionally, you were on this emotional roller coaster. And in a year and a half later, you finally had this epiphany of, I enjoy doing school from home and I enjoy my life right now. And I don't want to be partying and being drunk all night and being hung over the next day. And that's really the time when you were fully healed, both emotionally and physically, it sounds like. Yeah, I think I got over that, that hump of, um, I need to do what everyone else is doing. Like, because I'm this age and you got to do what everyone else is doing. Cause if not, it's not cool. I'd finally gotten over that stage on my own in general of, I don't need to be pleasing everyone else and have this image of myself that is not really me. Like I don't, I just don't need to impress people anymore. I'm out of high school. I need to stop worrying about if people are judging me or what people are thinking of me and just do what's best for me. Because at the end of the day, these people are out getting drunk partying every night. They're not worried about me. So there's no need for me to be worried about them. And Scott, do you ever think about that? if you did start to go back and party and go to do the, a lot of these unhealthy behaviors that almost all of us do at a young age, that maybe your Lyme would, would relapse and you start to get sick again. So subconsciously, you knew if you wanted to keep your health in good shape, your physical health, you had to not engage in these activities to stay healthy. Is that part of your story? Yes, definitely. And I think it was easy for me to not do and not go down that path because I had never really been able to do it. So I didn't really know what I was missing. Yeah. I just want to point out that you're, from my perspective, you're making this sound like it was easy to do. However, we've, we've spoken to many people offline who have gotten to the state you're in to be symptom-free or almost symptom-free, and then went back to their normal life, which includes a lot of these young, unhealthy behaviors, and then have been they got sick again and sometimes even worse than they were initially because they went back to these unhealthy lifestyles. So I think you should really think about that and give yourself credit and recognize that your strength and your choices are the reason you are healthy and, and able to be on this podcast today because of decisions you've made about your life. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, um, it's, it wasn't easy. It definitely wasn't easy, but I just think that it was easier than what it would have been like if I had got diagnosed when I was 30 and already knew what it was like to party and I wanted to go back to it. You know, it was just more of 
it was more hard to just do things that my peers weren't doing, even if I hadn't ever done them before. And despite all of these obstacles and trying to balance out your life to make sure you don't overdo it and get sick again, you're still managing to be a college student. You're still managing to work part-time for a huge software company, and you're still working towards your career goals that you have in mind for, for your future. Yes. Um, graduating college has always been a must for me. Like that was always my number one top priority. That's something that I really want to do. Um, and then this internship came about and I really couldn't turn it down. It's an amazing internship, it's an amazing experience. So I was already doing college part-time because a full course load is too much for me, even with my line at its best. Um, so I'm just taking school a little bit slower than most people. And I'm also able to get this amazing experience with an internship that I've been doing for four years now. So I want to ask you a difficult question to think about is, if you had to think back on your Lyme journey and when you were sick, because many people listening to this podcast are in the throes of Lyme and they're very sick trying to feel better, what advice based on your own personal experience would you give to those listeners? Um, the advice I would give is just to keep pushing through every day and know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is, you can feel better every day and you can live a relatively normal life when you get to a certain point. And that I think the hardest thing for me is at first I kept asking the question of why me? Why do I have to be 18 with Lyme disease? Why can't I be a normal teenager? Well, why not me? What makes me so special to be immune from any health problems? You know, it was just like that changing shift of the mindset of not to feel like the victim and to feel more empowered by it that I actually get a new perspective on the world because I have this um, disease or this, you know, these health problems that actually make me think more about life and go through life more consciously. So Sky, let's talk about your transformation and how your life is different as a consequence of Lyme in a positive way. You shared with us early on in the podcast, you went from being a traditional soccer player to a freestyle soccer player. I understand you've made or you've accomplished a great deal in that freestyle arena. Can you talk to us about some of the things that you've done as a freestyle soccer player? Um, yeah, I've partnered up with brands like Adidas. I worked on a campaign with former President Michelle Obama. Um, I've done ads for Samsung. Um, I've been partnered up with Puma. I've done a lot of um, amazing things and got to experience a lot of cool life experiences and travels in a way that soccer would have never allowed me to do. So I'm extremely thankful for Lyme and the fact that if I hadn't got Lyme disease, I would probably still be playing soccer and never experience any of these amazing things that I got to experience. So all of those experiences have been really cool, but I really like to focus on the one with Michelle Obama. Talk to us about what it was like to meet the first lady and what that experience was like. Yeah, so Michelle Obama's whole thing when um, Obama was in office was healthier America, like healthier school lunches and just getting kids on a better track. And um, I don't know who saw my sister and I freestyling, but when we met her, um, it was at this huge arena in Virginia and she was speaking and my sister and I were performing there, but we got to meet her backstage beforehand 
and she just immediately gave us a hug, which really surprised me. She wasn't standoffish at all. And she's like, I love you guys. I've watched so many of your videos. You guys are great. Can you do a little demonstration for me? And it was just like one of the coolest experiences of my life. Like, oh my God, the first lady knows and has seen my videos. She's seen me freestyle. So Sky, talk to us about how you've turned this celebrity that you've uh, earned into a way of advocating for people with Lyme disease. Yeah, so I've kind of, I still freestyle, but I just don't do it as much as I used to because I'm really busy with school and my health and my internship. So I don't do it so much anymore, but my social media has shifted more from just freestyle videos and freestyle photos and travel photos to more of me posting on my story all the time about Lyme disease and Lyme advocacy and writing a blog and going to Global Lyme Alliance's gala and helping raise money and doing Facebook fundraisers, raising 20000 for Lyme disease. It's just my um, freestyle gave me the followers and support I have today to be able to now promote something I'm so passionate about and something that really means a lot to me and something I'm genuine about posting. So Sky, I want to thank you for converting your social media and your platform into a Lyme disease platform and helping all the folks that you're helping. And I'm going to ask you to help us with one other thing. If God forbid your sister came walking into your room right after you finished this podcast and she showed you that she was being bitten by a tick, what would you recommend that she do so that she wouldn't have to go on a terrible Lyme disease journey the way you have? Um, I would tell her to get the first doctor's appointment you can with any primary doctor. Doesn't matter if you have to go out of pocket, insurance doesn't cover it. The first step is so important. Be your biggest advocate in the doctor's office. Do not let them tell you that you don't need medicine. You don't need to do anything about it. Come back if you have symptoms because it's too late. You have to, take matters into your own hand, be your biggest advocate and just go for it and know that you need doxycycline. You need some course of action to prevent it from being chronic. If that tick had transferred Lyme disease to you. Sky Cow, we have to thank you for sharing your beautiful story with the Tick Bootcamp community. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with our guest, Sky Cowie. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Ms. Cowie and her Lyme disease journey, please visit our Instagram page at Sky Cowie. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of our post. Third, Tick Bootcamp has created a Tick Bite Blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been provided to us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. Please note we would appreciate any input or improvements you would like to offer to us. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes or on our website. As always, we thank you for listening.